0: Okay. Good morning everyone. If you have a Bible, could you turn to Proverbs chapter three? The Book of Proverbs, chapter three. We're going to be continuing our series in the book of Proverbs today, looking at the path of wisdom, which is what we've we'll been looking at today, the path of wisdom. Now, before we get into that, let me tell you an experience I had yesterday morning. Melanie has mentioned the fun run which is coming, which we kind of uh, meet as a church. We don't meet here on a Sunday that morning because the the run actually runs right across the road outside here. And so actually we couldn't physically get in the building because they close all the roads. Um, And what we do is we put a team from the church into the fun run just to raise some money for for somebody else. And this year it's the Jericho Foundation and we're raising some money them. So thank you to those who sponsored. If you haven't, please, we encourage you to do so. It's on our mail out. You can get the... um, the website. Um, but as part of the, um, our training for it, some of us have been running around. I saw the other night someone ran past my house while I was kind of finishing up um, the work and I gave them a wave. And they looked very kind of majestic as they ran past. And I knew they were doing some fun run training as part of our team. But some of us on a Saturday morning as part of our training have gone to, um, to a park run, which they run over at Kingsbury Water. I don't know if you've heard of Park Run. which is now a national, it's actually now a global phenomenon, where they run every Saturday morning in parks all over the world, hundreds in the UK, a free run that is timed, five kilometers run, that you can basically just turn up, and do for free, all run by volunteers. And some of us have been going over to Kingsbury Waters to do that. Uh, and we've been running. Um, and I've been to a few of them now as part of my training to get ready for the fun run. And we were there on Saturday. And we went over and I was running around. And I didn't have my finest moment. Because they time it and they tell you, kind of, um, if you've done well. And if you get a better time, you get a little email saying you've, you've got a new personal best. And I turned up Saturday looking trim. And you know, I'm gonna do it today. I'm gonna do that. I was looking chill and I'm, I'm gonna do my personal vest. And so I was running around thinking I was doing all right, but then I suddenly noticed my shoelace was untied as you're running, and you kind of, once you notice it, you can, it's there, and it's flicking, Thing, i I know what's going to happen, I'm going to tread on it, I'm going to fall over, so I had to suddenly pull out, whip up my shoelace, and go back on, and thought, I've lost precious time there, I need to just keep going, keep going, how am I going to do, you know, when I am doing that, small children ran past me, and thinking, I've got to beat them, and the lady with the dog ran, fire, thinking, oh, come on, so I ran, and so I started putting my head down, and I ran, and then what they do is, because they They had like marshals and volunteers in high-vis who kind of just tell you where to go. And that particular morning, they changed the route just because there was another event on. So we were doing kind of had to run two laps around a slightly different route. And I was running along. And I I came to this point. There was a marshal, And because you get spread out in a run, I suddenly lost sight of everyone in front of me. But I knew there were some people behind me because I could hear their footsteps. And you came to this marshal, this nice young lady. uh, And she was standing there in the row with a high-vis jacket like this. And as I ran towards her, thinking, okay... And I smiled at her through the, well, I thought it was a smile, it's probably more of a grimace, but she smiled politely back, and then I just ran past her. To which she pointed, she said, No, you're going the wrong way. And I'm like, What? You're, you just, you were just standing there, you're pointing. So I ran past her, and the worst thing was, what happened? Everyone came after me, didn't they? All the guys behind me, they're running, and I, and I went past her. And she's like, no, so I freeze, the guy behind me freezes, and the two or three behind that are like, huh? And then everyone back further suddenly realized our error, because we'd all stopped, and they they went on the path. So instead of going past to here, I should have gone past to there, down the path, because we were crossing kind of a tarmac road back onto the little trail path we were running. And so I stopped and was like, oh, crumbs, blown it. So I had to turn around, and all the other guys were quietly cursing me, but also cursing themselves that they had just followed like blind sheep, you know, Mah. just followed the dude in front. He thought they knew what he was doing, and I clearly didn't. And so then we run around, and we finally made it to the end, and I, you'll be not surprised to know I didn't get my personal best that particular Saturday morning. But the problem was I basically went off path. I went off course, and if someone hadn't called me back, I'd have just carried on going. I think I would eventually would have worked it out. But there, was a, there would have been a moment where I just carried on plodding, my mind would have been on other things, just keep going, keep moving, and I would have taken the wrong path. And what we're going to look at today in the book of Proverbs is what we need to do to stay on the right path. Now, a quick recap. We've done the first couple of chapters. We've looked at um, the fact that the, the book of Proverbs, that is it's in the Bible, it's part of our Bible. Actually, it doesn't mention Jesus explicitly, but we know the whole of Scripture talks about Jesus. It all points to him ultimately. And so in the book of Proverbs, we have the voice of Christ calling out to us, described as wisdom, the wisdom of God that has been laid down by Solomon, who wrote it, the wisest man outside Jesus who ever lived. He's the author of it, but we know behind that there is the very voice of God speaking to us, calling to us. And we saw right at the beginning in the first part of Proverbs, we saw the beginning of this wisdom. This knowledge of how to live life, because that's what Proverbs is about, the nitty-gritty of life. The beginning of that, where it all begins, the foundation on which it stands is the fear of the Lord, this phrase. And that's come up again and again as we look through these chapters. This fear of the Lord, a reverent awe of God, working out who God is. He's holy, he's above, knowing who we are before him. We are his creatures, his creation. We know we've fallen and made mistakes, but as believers, we know we've been restored to that relationship, but not getting above ourselves. So we start with the fear of the Lord. We've gone through and we've seen warnings wisdom gives you. The voice of wisdom gives you warnings. Don't make dumb decisions. Don't go after evil. Don't go after greed. Don't pursue those things. will ultimately lead to disaster, it said, and it had the voice of the father talking to his son, saying, son, don't do that. Don't follow those people. Don't listen to those ones. They're going to tempt you. They're going to try and pull you away. And we saw at the beginning of also at the end of chapter 1 there was the the call of wisdom yelling out. It was this woman, this wise woman preaching on the streets in the city at the top of her young saying, "Come to me. Listen to me. Follow me." Because if you don't, it will end in disaster. And we looked at the fact that that's the voice of Jesus calling all of us to come follow him, to turn away, repent, to come follow him and actually if we don't do that one day he will reject us then last week chapter two we looked at the whole chapter we looked at the value of wisdom the rewards of wisdom because actually if you follow wisdom if you listen to it there's things that we gain from that there are good things we talked about knowing god godly character kind of protection in life because you make wise decisions you effectively you kind of you insulate yourself from some of the bad things that can happen to you when you make dumb decisions and then we worked out that actually we'll have fullness of life in this one and the next if we seek to kind of follow wisdom. And what we're going to look at today is the path of wisdom. We're going to look at the whole of chapter 3. So let me just read that to you, then I'll break it down. What we're going to do So you found your Bible, chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life, and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof for the Lord reproves whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and in all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you die down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord and the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Towards the scorners he is scornful, But to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. All right, big idea of this morning. Following Jesus means keeping going for the long haul. Following Jesus means keeping going for the long haul. Okay, so let's say we've read thus far, because the first nine chapters of Proverbs are like an extended introduction, chapters one to nine, then the back end, the kind of 10 to 31, or a series of hundreds and hundreds of small Proverbs, that we can look at, but we're in this extended thing. And let's say we've looked so far and we've realized that wisdom is calling, that it's got some decisions to make, it has some great value. We want to follow this. We want to carry on. We want to be someone who learns from this. How do we go about How do we follow this path of wisdom? Well, there's three things I want to look at here. And if you look at the, the verse, uh, the chapter, there's three times when the Father says, Mine son, My son, it breaks it down to three sections. Verse 1, verse 11, verse 21. So there's three sections there and I want to look at three things from each uh, three things one from each section the first one is commitment the second one patience the last one integrity so the first one when he says my son verse 1 I want to look at this whole area of commitment now if you want to achieve something in life if you want to get get something learn something you want to learn uh, a new skill you want to learn to play an instrument You want to learn a new language, you want to gain a qualification, you want to get in shape, get healthy, Uh, you want to kind of get a promotion at work and put some time into that, you want to make a friendship or a marriage kind of last over time, it requires commitment. It requires you getting involved and saying, I'm going to go after this, I'm going to put in the time, I'm going to put in the hours. I'm going to put in the hard work to get there, but I'm going to commit myself to doing this. Now, the good news is, once you've done all those things, there is a payoff at the end. You, kind of, you have some sort of rewards for your labor, but it requires that hard work up front. If you learn to play an instrument, like some of our band members over here have done, if you put the time, the effort in, the payoff is you get to play beautiful music. You get to sound great. When you play your instruments, rather than sounding like you know, a cat's being murdered or something like that. You know, you, you, there is a payoff for all your hard work, but it requires putting in. And what we've got here is some commitments that we need to look at if we're going to follow this path of wisdom and carry on following Jesus. And this section, 10 verses, breaks down into five sets of two. Five sets of two. And basically there's a resolution, there's a we we need to do this, followed by a kind of a payoff for it. And there are five things I want to quickly rattle through here to show us what it means if we're going to be committed to following Jesus. What sort of things do we need to be committed to? Well, the first one, it says in verse 1 is what? Do not forget my teaching. Teaching. So actually if we're going to be committed to following Jesus, following the path of wisdom, we've got to actually know the teachings that wisdom is giving the teachings, which we know we sum up, we are the words of our Bible that we've got here. We've encouraged you as part of this sort of um, process of us studying the book of Proverbs, is read Proverbs in your own time. Just read one chapter a day. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. You just pick one a day, you'll nail it in a month, thereabouts. Even if you miss a few, it doesn't matter. But you read a chapter, maybe one verse sticks out to you, one section, you kind of write it down, think about it, pray to it. God, what's God saying to you through it? You can do that. When you get to the end, just start again. Go through it. You'll learn something different each time. But actually, are you committed to teaching? Because the, the, the father there says to the son, commit yourself to my teachings. Kind of don't forget them. Keep them in your heart. Keep them in your heart. We talked about last time the heart was like the center, the center of kind of who you are. It's not just a, a muscle, a pump. It's kind of very much who you are, your conscience, your heart, your soul, your mind, your emotions. Everything's in there. And he says, put my teachings in there so they're right in the center of who you are. Take hold of them. Don't forget them. Learn them. And the next thing he says, as well as you've got to be committed to your teachings, he says you've got to be committed to, to your motives. What's your motives in what you're doing? Because we've looked at some of the, the bad motives that you can go off against uh, in previous chapters that, that um, you'd be tempted away. And he, sa- he talks about steadfast love steadfast love steadfast means unwavering unmoving immovable I'm not going anywhere you can attack me come at me but I'm going to stand here resolute firm it's steadfast love it says stand in that steadfast love don't 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 leave that kind of motive that attitude very much mimicking who God is as love and it says bind it around your neck secure it around your neck. That came up actually in chapter one. The whole idea of um, a neck adornment was something of honor, something that people looked at, something that brought authority, but that, that sort of round your neck was a place of security. Very hard to take that away. She so says, bind that around your neck. It says, write them. Write these on the tablet of your heart. Get that whole center of who you are. Write them down. Scroll them on there. If you think about the tablets that Moses had, with the Ten Commandments on there, probably been Chiseled. <laughs> Chisel them on your heart so it doesn't come off. Get that motive, that steadfast love. What you're kind of about is loving and caring for people. That's what's going to be kind of you commit to, that attitude of love, choosing to choose love in, in all situations. And the next thing he says is trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Put your faith in God. Because if we're going to be committed, ultimately it's committed to him. We've got his teachings, his teachings, we know he's kind of what motivates God. God is love. We should have that. But actually, we should be focused on him above everything. Trust in him. Trust in him with all your heart. No half measures. No kind of, well, I'll give it a go. No kind of like, yeah, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll suck it and see. No, actually, trust in him. Give yourself to it completely over me. And he says, all your heart, every part of you needs to be put onto this. It's not something we're just to play with. It's not something we take, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll try it. The whole kind of thing about being a Sunday Christian on Sunday I go to church, but the rest of the week I do whatever I want. If we looked in chapter two, uh, beginning end of chapter one with wisdom crying out, she was screaming for people to take note. It was that important. And it's the same there. Trust God with all your heart. Lean not on our own understanding because our own understanding is minuscule compared to God's. We're like a thimble and God is the ocean, when it comes to knowledge. And we lean not on your own thimble, but trust in God's ocean of knowledge and what He said and what He says about everything. Trust in that. And then it talks about humility. Verse seven: Be not wise in your own eyes. There's that phrase again. Fear the Lord. I think we're counting. It must have come up maybe four or five times so far, already in Proverbs, we're only at the beginning of chapter three. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Don't be arrogant. Don't be proud. Don't think you are better than you are. Don't, don't look down on others who think they're worse than you are. It, humility is just a correct understanding of who we are I- in God, who we are before God, who He is and who we are. We nailed this on the Freedom in Christ course. We went over and over again to remind ourselves who we are in God. And it's all by His grace that we've been brought into a relationship with Him where we have forgiveness, we have righteousness because before we were sinners and we we're only saved by His grace. So have a good good understanding of who you are and then it says it says fear the lord and turn away from evil those two come together if you ever think well what is fear of the lord well it's turning away from evil that's one of the ways to describe it those two are kind of inseparable you can't fear the lord and not turn away from evil that's what it is it's actually saying no i won't have anything to do with evil what's evil Proverbs is going to describe it all for you just read some of the stuff being arrogant proud rejecting god rejecting his teachings rejecting his call turn away from that Put your trust and faith in God alone. And then the last one, it says, is worship. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. So from humility, recognizing who we are, actually brings worship because we recognize who God is and how awesome and great he is. And we're to honor him with whatever we've got. Whatever it is. There he's talking about produce. If they're um, agrarian society, they've been growing everything. That would have been their currency. That would have been been the trade. That would have been what they would have eaten. He said, you honor God with what you've got. And the first fruits means the best. The first fruits is the stuff that comes through. Then the harvest is coming. That's the best bits. Give God your best. Not the leftovers. Not the kind of the scraps, the fag ends. We'll give God the best of everything we've got. And obviously that applies to our money. But that applies so much wider as well. All the gifts, the talents, the time, the energy we have. We're to commit to those things. There are five things that commit them, but there's also payoffs. If you look in between all those verses, there's some pretty awesome payoffs for committing to following Jesus. What does it say? Now, just to clarify, I said this already, but we'll say it again for Proverbs. These aren't promises like divine promises that life is like this all the time. These are general truisms of how the trajectory of life should go if we follow God and we kind of follow his teaching and make wise choices. It says in verse 2, we will have long, peaceful lives. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound good? If we follow his teachings, length of days, years of life. If we follow his teachings, we'll avoid disaster. We won't make dumb decisions. We won't hang out with evil men. We won't go after the adulteress, We won't follow greed, things like that. We will have a life of peace because there won't be strife in our life. It says in verse 4, we will find favor. not just Grace. Another word for grace, New Testament word, grace. And we will have good success, a positive outcome, good uh, repute, good esteem. Following God, serving God, kind of living after him will actually, people will look to us and see something good about our lives. They'll see actually you're making wise choices about your life. Good things are happening to you because you know how to handle situations that are coming up. And in turn, you receive God's grace, and people will look to that. It says in verse 6, there'll be straight paths. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He said he'll make your paths straight, which means you will avoid pitfalls and dangers. Pitfalls of going after grief, hanging around with the wrong people, chasing uh, immediate sexual gratification. All these kind of things, He said if you'll avoid them, your paths will become straight, because you're following the Lord. You'll be listening to his guidance, his commandment. It says we'll get health and well-being, verse 8. It says, healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Having humility before God, recognizing who God gives a sense of peace to who we are. If we're, if we're following his teachings and his commandments and we're avoiding all these pitfalls, we'll be free from bitterness and unforgiveness and stress and violence and anger that comes from making bad choices. And, and you know rubbing people out the wrong way and all the things that kind of Proverbs mentions so there'll be a sense of peace and health about our life I don't know if you've ever met Christians like that who have a serenity about them and you think what is it about you it's the peace of God that is on them that whatever life's going on they, they have that sense of just like we're, we're trusting in God and you can see it oozing in and the last one it says provision your barns will be filled with plenty I don't have a barn but I like the sound of that and your vat? Okay, I don't even drink, but your vat's bursting with wine. Who can say an amen to that? Yeah, the, the wine drinkers. Oh yeah, yeah, we like the wine. That's just an image of plenty from God, saying, "I will provide for what you need. I will not let you kind of go without. You will, you will be, you will be looked after. So there's provision." But that requires a day-to-day commitment. That's the commitment, what it means to following Jesus. It's something we commit ourselves day-to-day. And there are rewards for sure. We don't do it for the rewards, but there are rewards that come in it. So we are to be a committed people. The second one, starting in verse 11, is we're to be... See, that was all pretty good news, wasn't it, there? Yeah, it's going to go yeah, down for me. Just so you know. The next one, everyone's favorite word, patience. <laughs> you could tell was like, yeah, oh, great, yeah, right. Can we stop the sermon now? No, there's more. Sets you up. This is lots of good things, wonderful things following Jesus, but he says you have to be patient. You've got to be patient following the Lord. You've got to be committed, but you've got to be patient because it's a long haul. And how does it start? With everyone's favorite part of patience discipline. Look at verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord repro- reproves whom he loves as a father in whom, a son, sorry, the father's son in whom he delights. It's not all going to be roses. It's not all going to be easy. It's not all going to be nice and straightforward. Because actually, there are times when correction is needed. Sometimes we need to be, because we we make mistakes, we go off, we make poor choices. Actually, sometimes discipline has to be brought. It could be a rebuke, it could be a correction, it could be a warning, it could be a punishment. It could be something. But the Lord will come and correct us, and we need to be patient with that. Actually, he's going to bring some things into our life, and it's not actually a sign of God's anger when this happens. It's actually a sign of His love. It's a sign of His love. So often we think of it: if something's not going the way we want it to, things are taking longer than we think, or we're not going. The journey's not going the way we think. Remember, we're maybe taking a turn to go around here. We only think God, God's angry with us. He's not angry with us. He loves us. C.S. Lewis illustrated like this. He said this. He said. Um, He said, but an artist may take no no time at all over a picture drawn to amuse a child, but he takes endless effort over his great work of art that he loves. The conclusion Lewis came to was that when we complain about our suffering, we're actually asking for less love, not more. Let me just say that again. The artist may not take any time over a picture drawn to amuse a child, but over... But it takes take endless effort over a great work of art he loves. The conclusion he drew was actually when we complain about our suffering, we're actually asking for less love, not more. Because God loves us. It's almost like a work of art there. We're his work of art. He's working on us, which means it takes time and effort to, to make it right. Sometimes we, you've got to correct things. Sometimes you've got to work on things a bit harder. And as I am, for, ironically for this passage, I'm a father of two sons in whom I delight. And just be honest, you know, it's hard for in church, but let's be honest. It's not always easy parenting two sons because they have minds of their own. They take off their mama. But they, they have minds of their own. <laughs> they have minds of their own. And they have opinions, strong opinions, which often run contrary to mine. And they have opinions uh, about things they should do and they shouldn't do. And our youngest, Asher, who is just so beautiful, but he has this phrase which he started using, which is, he just basically says to me, uh, No. And, and I'll I'd, I'd say to him things like, Asha, it's time for a bath, for instance. Uh, no. And he'll carry on what he's doing, or it's time to clean your teeth, and he just look at me, uh, no, and carry on doing, or anything he doesn't want to do. The, we get a lot of, uh, no's. And I don't know where that's come from, but it's like, no, no, when did you forget I'm in charge of this? And, you know, and sometimes it goes off and, you know, brothers squabble and all sorts of things, and we have to bring discipline. But I adore these boys. And the reason we want to bring discipline into their life, the reason they have time out sometimes, happened this morning, twice, one for each, um, is because we love them. We want them to grow up into well-rounded adults who will one day will make excellent husbands and excellent fathers themselves. Uh, and so we're training them, doing it. But the reason behind it is because we love them. The same is with God. But if we carry on there, so you've got this discipline, is actually, if you look at verses 13 to 18, it's worth the wait. If you look at verses 13 to 18 in your Bible, what's the first word? Well, my one, the first word is blessed. What's the last word? Blessed. It's worth the wait. But if you look at what's in the middle, what it talks about is actually lots of hard work. He said, if you're going to find this wisdom, if you're going to go after it, you've got to be patient. Why? Because he said it's more precious than jewels, more precious than gold. It's something, if you're going to find precious jewels and precious gold, where do you find them? In the ground. A long way under the ground. You have to go after them. You have to dig for them. You have to, to break open rocks, move tons and tons of earth to find them. And then when you do find them, you often have to clean them up, cut the gems, refine the gold, etc., etc. It takes a lot of effort to do that, a lot of patience to invest in that. But what is the result? You have these absolutely beautiful items that are worth lots and lots of money. That people go wow on, and they're amazing. They're saying wisdom is better than that. Wisdom is better than that. And if you go after wisdom, it's better than precious stones, better than precious metals that the, the world thinks is pretty awesome. But actually, if you go after wisdom, you get said you will live this blessed life. You will live this blessed life. If you go after that, actually, you'll be blessed. You will have the favor of God on you. It talks about there has this image of the tree of life, this life giving tree which kind of nourishes us and feeds us. Actually, if we're patient, if we, go, we, we follow the Lord's discipline, if we're under that and we're willing to be submissive to that, if we're willing to learn and grow and be corrected, it's going to be worth the wait. Because we will grow, we will be blessed as a result of that. It's not hard. And the last part there, there's two verses there, 19 and 20, which talk basically about the power of God. This wisdom... That, we're, that is on offer here that we can learn from, we can grow. In. It said it was used by God at the foundation of the earth. So before before the earth here, there was nothing. There was nothing. God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing, and wisdom was involved in that. That is the power of God. It says this wisdom sustains the earth. Talks about got this life giving thing about the deep um the deep broke open that's kind of water but then the water coming down the water is the image of life and health and vitality and there's the power of God on display there saying actually this is really good this is good stuff if you work the wait, if you wait you wait under God's discipline you will see the power of God working in your life and this power created the world so that's pretty awesome and so if we reflect back on being patient, we need to be under discipline. We need to be owed to be corrected, rebuked, trained. We need to wait on it. But it's, boys, it's going to be worth the wait. Because when you wait, you see the power of God at work. And this was highlighted to me as I was kind of reflecting on this. I was reflecting about starting the church. We had our fifth birthday in January. And I was reflecting back on it. And I, I, I was reminded of a situation where we started January 2000 and do the mass eleven. We were meeting every couple of weeks um, and that took us a good few months to get there because when we first moved up in the preceding August, Melanie and I moved up and then Joe and Anna moved up about the same time. They were single at the time. They're now married. That was good. So there was four of us and that was Real Life Church and we had a commitment of a bunch of other guys but we had to wait for them like for three months for them to move and get here. And then we had to wait another few months for Matt and Phil to, to move. So we're kind of, it was like, come on, you know, I want to get going, I wanna start. And then we started in the January, we started meeting, and we had we met every other week. And we were really small. And we sort of met fortnightly. and that went on for a little while round to the September. By then we'd all moved up, we we're ready to go, we'd gathered a few people, and we were like, Do you know what we can do? We're gonna start meeting weekly. We're gonna be like a proper church. So we started meeting weekly, and then a few weeks into that, a particular Sunday came out, and I remember it so vividly. It was the 16th of October 2011. I just, I'm just yeah, I'm going to have ministry. I've dealt with this, I feel I have. But we had this meeting, and basically, one after the other, the preceding week, I got a phone call for a text message from every kind of one and part of our core team saying they weren't going to be there that Sunday. And it was for a legitimate reason, you know, long-standing arrangement, something like that. But they basically, so the number of people I could count on in that meeting, which wasn't mine anyway, just went down and down and down. And it basically ended up with being Mel and I would be there and Matt and Phil would be there. And we had two kids, one each, because the others weren't born at that point. So basically this is what's going to happen on Sunday. I was going to stand up, Matt and Phil and Mel and the two kids, and say welcome. <laughs> Matt and Phil would get up and do the worship. I would stand there with the two kids and Mel and we would worship. I would then get up to preach. Matt and Phil would sit there. Mel would then take the kids out for kids' work. I would tell them what I'd just done. And then they would come back in and we'd kind of finish. And that, that was going to be the meeting. And I was, I was so just... With that. And to eventually the point where Mel was like, we've got to cancel the meeting. I'm not flipping canceling the meeting. We've just started this journey. We're now weekly. We're a proper church. And it's like, no, we had to... So on that day, we didn't meet as real life church. And I'm okay with that. You know, I... I've, t- I've dealt with that, but there was a sense of actually, God, God was saying to me, be patient. Be patient. I wanted to get going. We'd been, we'd been in something about a year by then. We're going to be okay. Look around. Things have changed. And I can tell you that it's been worth the wait. You've been worth the wait. And I've seen the power of God displayed time after time after time in people's lives people being saved, people being healed, people being delivered. Just so many amazing things, so many amazing stories. But it it, it took patience. You've got to wait. You've got to bear with what God's doing. You've got to sit under his discipline. And seriously, he did deal with some stuff in me. Maybe a bit more to go. So we've got patience. The last one, even better, integrity. Integrity, where are we? Verse 21 Integrity. So it's the last My Son, the last section of it. It says you've got to be people of integrity. So we've got to be committed. We've got to be patient. That's the kind of characteristics of the Christian life. But also we've got to be men and women of integrity. And he starts by talking about it being, your, being our security. Being our security, this wisdom that we're going to earn. He says, keep sound wisdom and discretion. For there will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Which is what we've talked about. They will, they will, uh, then you will walk on your way securely and your feet will not stumble you will have rest because your security is in the lord he's basically saying actually you've got if you're going to walk in this path if you're committed if you're patient you're going to have a sense of security god is going to watch over you god is going to look after you god is going to be there and then it will bring blessing to you if you read the kind of the next section it is a whole series of do nots this is where the kind of the integrity our character is tested Do not do this, do not do that, do not do that. There's a whole list of things that we're not to do. We're not to basically kind of be bad neighbors, you know, kind of follow those, you know, sort of pick on them. There's about violent men, all those things. We're meant to act in a way that is godly and good for those for people around us. We're meant to be a blessing to them. We're not meant to choose ways that are are kind of are bad. Those who dwell trustingly Beside us, we're not meant to use that and the advantage is against them and have integrity in what we're doing. And he says actually the result of that will bring blessing to you. If you do that, if you kind of just skip to the end bit, if you act like that, there will be great blessing on your house, God says. If you are men and women of integrity, if you follow this teaching, if you act like this, you'll be secure in God and what he's doing because you won't be out of kilter with him, out of relationship through sinful actions that you've done. You'll have security, but you'll also have a blessing in what you're doing. And this was highlighted so vividly to, to this week uh, where it says, um, where's the one where it talks about, do not, there you go, do not withhold, verse 27, do not hold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. I was studying this and we had some friends in the church who um, got a message that, um, John and Abby, are they, he- are they even here today? No, they're probably not, but John and Abby, they run a climbing wall over other side of town, and um, there was a, They had a flood in the climbing wall um, overnight. They suddenly found out in the morning. It was like, oh. so it's all flooded, all, all kind of through there. And they kind of basically, called, Can anyone come and help us out? We've got to clear the place up. And literally, I was like, I'm busy at work doing important Jesus Bible stuff. I clearly can't. I clearly can't do that. But I'm preparing this sermon. No joke and I'm reading it, and it's like, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, friends of ours, when it is in your power to do so. Thinking, crumbs, I work for the church, I have very flexible hours. So it's like, right, I'm going to go and help. And I put some calls out to see if anyone's around. Philip came with me. We went over there and we helped. And it was, I can tell you, it was an incredible blessing to do so. We went over, worked hard, helped them clear the place up a little bit. We only did a little bit of work. There was loads of other people, friends uh, and staff who were helping them. And, and it was a wonderful blessing to see how they reacted in something that would have freaked the heck out of me. If that had happened in our house and just flooded kind of downstairs and had to pull up carpets, I'd have, I'd have probably lost it. They they showed a calmness and a character through it, and just working through and just getting on with it. They had hours coming, and they were just they worked it all out. I saw the blessing of God because this happened on Thursday, and what happened Tuesday and Wednesday? Do you remember? Torrential rain. It was just horrible. What happened on Thursday? The sun came out, dried up all the rain. Nancy went to spider, but anyway, it was beautiful. So we could pull all the stuff out, and they we had they were laid out in the car park drying. And I got a text from her. Abby, uh, friday night saying it's all got drive all got back in laid on we're ready to go for the weekend we're not going to lose any money on the business so I actually you think goodness i saw the blessing of god there on two people who just thought this is really bad we're just going to work at it we're going to deal with it and it was amazing just to be part of that and just to kind of visualize that um, but actually that's what God says. It will be a blessing. If you don't do these things, if you live well, you're gonna answer. And that's how the kind of the passage ends. If we are men and wicked integrity, it says the Lord curses, verse thirty three, is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Towards the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favour or grace. The wise will inherit honour, but the fools get disgrace. And I remember talking about the fun run. I've run it we've run it the last three years, I think, as a church. And every year I've seen the same thing happen in the fun run. If you'd run, if you know it at all, if you go to Boldmere Gate, which is just down there in the park, and we have to run along this road, and then down Monmouth Drive, then up Boldmere Gate, it's a big, long climb, and then you run down to Jamboree Stone in the middle of the park. And if you run down there, or if you walk down there with the kids or cycled, what you can do, if you get to the Jamboree Stone, and you have to do a kind of a hairpin bend back on yourself, and down the hill, you can cut the corner off. Um, and you can go down there, and there's a, there's a bit just before the Jamboree Stone where you can go down the hill, and it's all grassy, and you can basically, because we're slow at the back, you can see everyone, and you can see them all down the hill, and you think, if I just cut the corner off, if I just cut the corner off, I don't have to do that bit, and that makes the, whatever, 8.5 miles that much shorter, which is good, and every year I see people doing it, cutting the corner off, cutting the corner off, and I'm always tempted to, cut. The fact that I'm wearing a T-shirt that says real-life church on it helps. (laughs) Just like (laughs) no, So I'm always tempted, and last year we were pushing something which have been entertaining going down the hill, but I push it. But here's the funny thing. You have a chip, you have a number on the front one, you have a little chip in it, which is your timing chip, and the way the chip works is you get clocked when you walk over a sensor. And you have to walk over the sensor for it to clock your time, and there's four or five on the route that you have to walk over. And it, it clocks your time. Guess where one of the sensors is? Right, the jamboree stone. So actually, if you cut the corner off, you don't clock the sensor. And the first time I did it, when I thought about it, I thought, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll carry on. And when I got to the end, I thought, there's the sensor pad. It's a big pad on the ground, and we're all clocking over it. And it's clocking my time. If I miss out, guess what? get no time at the end of the race. Because I cut the corner, I cheated. And actually, God says, there's blessings for those who have integrity. There's blessings for those who have integrity, those who walk uprightly before the Lord. And that's what we're called to do. And it might be harder and it might take longer, but you know what? God's hand and God's favor is on those people. All right, a few things to finish. And then we'll do a couple of questions for you. Maybe you want to think about these now, bring them up in a life group this week. First one, how is your commitment to Jesus? How is your commitment to Jesus? If you're not a believer here, you're not a Christian, you know that. Maybe I can... Make a suggestion that 's something you need to think about. Is it something Jesus is calling you to do to follow him? maybe it 's something you might need to get involved in an alpha course. We just finished an alpha course in the church there 'll be a run, another one running soonish. Um, maybe you want to get involved in that. Find out ask some questions kind of like, yeah, what is it about this Jesus? What is it about the Bible? What is it about you Christians? kind of Why do you do the stuff you do? Maybe you want to get involved, maybe you 're thinking, do you know what I need to make that decision." I need to pray that prayer I need to say God I I acknowledge that actually I've done a whole bunch of things wrong in my life I I realise that before a holy God I'm guilty I need to seek forgiveness I need to turn from my old way I need to put my faith and trust in Christ alone for my salvation because it comes through nothing else is that what you need to do today if you are a believer here my question to you is how's your commitment are you coasting are you coasting are you being kind of you know you're on sort of idle, but you're just being pulled along. If you're a cyclist, coasting is excellent. What they do in cycling, the guy at the front is really hard pedaling through the, the wind, making headway, and all everyone else lines up behind him and gets caught in their slipstream, and they don't have to pedal quite so hard because they're being caught up by the cyclist in front. That's why they're always so close, inches from each other. The guy on the front is doing all the work, and the ones behind are working slightly less hard. Brilliant for cycling rubbish for Christianity rubbish for Christianity if you are coasting you may be being pulled along by your husband or wife's faith pulled along by just the church kind of community or friends or something it's rubbish it will ultimately lead you down a bad path how are you doing reading Proverbs reading your Bible how are you doing in prayer my encouragement if you haven't started reading Proverbs and you're kind of like I need to do something how about that start today start tomorrow just read chapter 1 think about it maybe write something down Underline something in your Bible. Think about what God's saying to you through it. Doing some prayer. Maybe talk about it in life group this week. Ask someone you know in your small group. Say, actually, look, this is where I am. I feel like I'm coasting. Help me out. Someone to pray with me. Talk to someone. Don't leave it too long. What about what you need to be patient with? Where is God asking you to hold on? Where is it asking God to say, just hang in there? Is it with a person? Is it with finances and provision? Maybe it's a health situation. Maybe it's something tough at work. Maybe it's something you're, you know, you're training for, a qualification. You think, I just, I've got to keep going to get it. Maybe you're waiting for a fulfillment of something that God said to you, and you think, it just seems so far off. I don't know, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe you're just waiting for the next season of life because this one's hard, and you just think i just got to wait for the next one to come. What do you need to hold on to? What do you need to do? I'd suggest if you're in that situation, you feel like that, there's a couple of things you can do to help you. First one is remind yourself of all the times God has come through. Remind him of all the times God has fulfilled his word to you. And where does that begin? That begins with your salvation. That begins with where God saved you. Where God took your life and turned you around. Where you were spiritually dead and now you're spiritually alive. Make a point of thanking God for what he's done in your life when he saved you. Then everything that's happened every day for that, every prayer is answered, everything is done, all his faithfulness, the fact that his Holy Spirit is with you all day, every day, the fact that you're part of a church, involved in a life group, that you've got people around you, every little thing, you know what they are, you know what God's done in your life. Remind yourself of them. I suggest it's always a good idea to keep a record. If you have a journal or something, write some of these things down because if you're anything like me, you forget life piles in on you and it just it goes I've got two children and I sometimes still get their names mixed up Do you know, I just, I've only got two I mean it's like 50-50 chance and I still get it wrong I, had a, I was disciplining one of them yesterday and my discipline fell apart when I got the name wrong you know you kind of you lose all authority at that point when it's like Levi looks and goes I'm not Asher daddy and you're like come on because write it down Write down, remind yourself constantly. Say, come on, this is what's going on. Talk to someone. Tell someone. Just be honest and say, do you know what? I'm in this situation. This is what I'm trying to be patient with. This is how I feel. And just be honest about your feelings. Angry, frustrated. Just, I feel like my face coming down. I feel like, I feel like God doesn't love me. I just, I feel, this is how I feel. And there's nothing wrong with those feelings. You just try reading the Psalms full of those kind of feelings. Be honest about it. I also want to pray with you. Just stand with you and say, just pray with me that I will, I will have patience to keep going in this situation in what you're doing because God loves you. God is for you. God does bring discipline into our lives but it's motivated by love ultimately to reform our character and make us grow more like him. Last one. Are there areas where you are in danger? And I'm talking with, in terms of integrity here talk about danger in terms of sin and temptation we've been very kind of blunt up till now on proverbs it's talked about evil men who try and tempt us away it's talked about the adulterous in terms of the area of sexual temptation it's talked about those kind of things and they're going to come again as we go through it but are there areas of danger in your life areas where you are vulnerable areas where you know you're vulnerable areas where you know the enemy is like now even now prodding you, pointing you, tempting you to compromise on your integrity in some area, in the area of finances, in the area of kind of ethics in work, in kind of lying and deception. Even, you can even lie by omitting things. Sometimes we lie deliberately and we, we just say a lie, but sometimes we lie by just not saying anything. and We lie, the lie of omission. It's an area of sexual temptation that you're facing. If this is you, tell someone about it today before you leave. Tell someone, you trust, someone you love and say, look, I'm dealing with this. Pray with me. Pray for God's grace on me. It says in um, in one of the Corinthian letters, I can't remember which, about no temptation which is Caesar's, which is not common to man. God will provide a way out for you. His grace is that big. There is a way out. There is grace for you in those situations. So if that's you, don't leave here today without saying something to someone so they can pray with you and stand with you alright we're going to print it finished do you want to just stand up can the band come back I'm just going to pray for us and then we're going to worship and see what see what else God's got to say to us today and maybe we just want to close your eyes Hold out your hands. Just let what what God said today kind of just fill you. God will have been speaking to all of us somehow, some way, and your choice now is what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with what God said to you? And it will be different to each of us. You know, whatever it is, God will say something to you, specifically to you, and it might come right out of the sermon. He might bring something to mind that's a bit left field, but still he's bringing something to mind. Might be prompted by something that was said or something that was sung this morning. And Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you are here today with us by your spirit. Lord, we want to thank you that you are the one constantly calling out to us to come to you. You are the one who just won't let go of us Lord and you're constantly saying come to me come to me Lord and I thank you that your grace is with us today here with us today Lord and I pray for each of us here as we walk this life Lord I pray you would lead us by the hand on this path Lord of wisdom of learning more about you of growing in godly character growing in knowledge of you Jesus take us by the hand today and lead us Lord God Lord God and I pray where our commitment might have kind of coasted off God, weaker, Lord, I pray you give us strength of resolve of character to say, no, we're going to commit ourselves today wholly to follow you. Lord Jesus, where we need patience just to kind of to endure, God, we ask you to give us patience today. Patience today. You know it, You've been through it, Lord. You had to have patience with us and your disciples so many times. You know what it's like, Lord. God, we ask you to give us grace to just stand sometimes. And Lord God, where our integrity is under attack, our integrity has been compromised, Lord, we ask you to give us grace to hold up under temptation. I'm just reminded here that some of you might have come here feeling, I've already messed that one up. It's not about face, holding up against temptation. I kind of feel like I've always already given to it. It's not too late to repent of your sin and seek forgiveness now. You can do it right now before God. God is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You just need to repent, confess and repent. So this is what it is, God, and I'm turning away from it. If you actually do it now, just do it right now. Get it dealt with. This is, I need to get right with you, Lord. If it's you, though, you need strength to stand up under it. Just ask God for that now.